you're listening to the Tongue Tie Experts Podcast, a weekly program providing information and support for those families impacted by tongue and lip tie and the professionals caring for them. I'm Lisa Palladino, a midwife and a lactation consultant with over 30 years of experience. If you are a parent looking for answers or a professional who is curious to learn more than what you learned in school on this topic, welcome. This podcast is for you. A gentle disclaimer, please do not consider anything discussed on this podcast by myself or any guest of the podcast to be medical advice. The information is provided for educational purposes only and does not take the place of your own medical or lactation provider. Thank you. Welcome everyone to the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. I'm so glad you're here with us today. This is Lisa Palladino, your host, and today I will be interviewing Erica Higginbottom. Erica is an occupational therapist and owner of her company is called OT by Mommy, a private pediatric practice on the North Shore of Massachusetts. She specializes in the pre-crawling infant and pre- and post-phrenectomy therapy. Erica has trained in the tummy time method, pre- and post-phrenectomy care, sensory processing, visual vestibular techniques, oral motor skills, and more. She's also the mother to a toddler and infant who have inspired Erica's practice through their own journey with tongue tie and oral functions. Welcome, Erica. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I'm just going to add this part. You're also one of the students of my Professional's Guide to Tongue Tie course, which makes me even more proud to have you with us on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you for having me. And yes, I am always so excited to learn from new professionals. Um, I can't get enough of the information with this. I'm always trying to grow as a practitioner and trying to learn where my role ends and other people's begins and uh, work on that collaborative model and finding people who are as passionate about this as me and take on a different role, which is why I was so inspired to, t- to take your course, because I wanted to hear what an IBCLC had to say about this subject. You know, I hear from other people, but, um, you know, with your reputation and your knowledge and everything that you offer people, I wanted to see what you had to say to other professionals. So well, thank really you. excited about that. Course. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, you said so many key words there that, um, you know, make my heart go pitter-patter and, and feel feel like I'm doing the right work. And, you know, the teamwork approach, the multidisciplinary approach, and learning from each other's point of view, which we don't do when we're going to school, right? Like, no, not we so don't much. learn together so much. We learn so separately. Before I started my work with Tongue Tie, I didn't even know what an occupational therapist was. And that's crazy because I was a nurse for a lot of years and I really had no idea what an occupational therapist does. So, so um, maybe there's people in our audience who don't know what an occupational therapist is in general. So maybe you want to like share that with us and let everybody be as informed as they need to be about this very important and very vital profession. So um, anyone in the audience who doesn't know what occupational therapy is, you're not alone. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know what we do. But 
as a profession, we focus on function. So an occupational therapist is going to help you get recover functionally what things that might be lost, things that you might need to help, you know, improve your quality of life. Um, our focus is really on that functional piece. So if you, as an adult, you might need occupational therapy if you are injured, if there's an accident and you're trying to get back to doing the things that you want to do throughout your day. Um, you know, for babies and kids, we're looking at supporting development and helping them engage in their environment to support that the gain of developmental skills oftentimes. Um, so when you think OTs, think function. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, before we um, started recording, I was telling you about that my dad had a stroke a couple of weeks ago and he's got an OT on his team for just that reason, to get him back to the function. You know, at first it was basic, like how to feed himself even, or, you know, use a fork, hold a pen. He's definitely progressed beyond that pretty quickly and his deficits are more in speech, but it's still the functional um, movements that he has to integrate with his brain around speech. So I'm, I've got a brand new appreciation of your field, even though I've been working closely with OTs for quite a few years. So I was also telling you that the OT that, that I um, network with mostly in my neighborhood is also a graduate of the Tummy Time Method course that you've taken um, and you're certified in. And I think that tummy time kind of, um, when I say tummy time to people, when they come to me for breastfeeding, they look at me like, what does that have to do with breastfeeding? And it just, <laughs> to me, it just feels like a natural link there. And I have a hard time explaining it because that's not really my role. I, I, I kind of just say like, well, they have to integrate everything. So maybe you can give us a, a little bit of um, um, a more intelligent and educated ed, uh, definition or explanation of why tummy time. Like, why are we talking about tummy time with breastfeeding and tongue tie? So the importance of putting a baby actually on their belly um, is really high. The tummy time method actually has some additional benefits, but just getting baby on their belly is going to help baby express some reflexes that they need to express to develop and it's going to help them integrate some reflexes that they need to help to develop. And that so doesn't really happen in other positions, right? I mean, if a baby does not on their back to, all the time, they're not going to be able to identify. They're not going to integrate those same, re right. right. They're not going to integrate those same reflexes. Right. So putting them on their belly is going to help with that. Um, and additionally, it is going to help lengthen a lot of those muscles um, especially when you think about the neck and, you know, you get a baby on their belly, what do they do? They're trying to look up mm -hmm. and turning side to side so that those neck muscles underneath all of that is those are things that you need for swallowing. Those are things that you need for moving the tongues, getting it on their bellies helps even strengthen the tongue, um, gives their body a new vantage point and helps that tongue move into new positions than when they're just on their backs. Or in, um, especially with difference from being in that semi-reclined position, you know, like in a car seat mm -hmm. or in a bouncer or in a swing. As I like to um, say, in a bucket. 
<laughs> yeah, I would say buckets too. And then people are like, you're putting babies in buckets? I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> so, yeah, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, like once you once you think of a car seat as a bucket, you can't unsee it that way. So uh, I'm not anti-car seat. Babies need to be in car seats in the car, but that should be the only time they're in a car seat because it's not the it's not the healthiest position for them, right? Um, no, it's not. Car seat in the car, great. Right. Semi-reclined all the time, not great. And movement is really important for infant development and movements in all different directions. And so when you have a baby who goes from the car, still in the bucket, carrying them, they're missing out on these subtle movements that they could get mm -hmm. if you unbuckled them, took them out, their heads tipping in different directions, they're pulling, you're holding them and they're, they're having to use different muscles mm -hmm. um, even when you're holding them than if they were staying in that bucket. So I encourage parents as often as possible to take their baby out of the bucket um, and carry them or wear them. Um, but even moving them from the bucket to the stroller, you're still getting more than if you're just lifting them out mm -hmm. of there and kind of leaving them in that same semi-reclined right. position. And there's something particularly restrictive about that car seat, which is, I mean, it's right. healthy. It's, it's not healthy. It's safe for the car, mm -hmm. but it's not the healthiest exactly. place. And I have, um, for those who come to my office for lactation in my, my email that they get before they come, I say, please leave your car seat in the car. And you, you have no idea how many parents are so thrown by that. I, I tell them it's because my office is upstairs and I don't want them carrying the car seat up the stairs for their own health, but they don't even get that. You know, it's really, you know, I, and I don't blame parents today because the messaging is not, around health, it's on scaring them to, you know, need these items to be used for their kids. So um, just interesting. Like, I love, I love the reactions. And then when I explain it to them, you know, it, you see like the, the light bulbs going off and it's like eye opening yeah. um, to, to them to understand. And then, then I try to understand, uh, explain to them the team approach. And, you know, today I, I want to really hit on why an IBCLC and an OT would consider themselves members of the same team for tongue tie care. And, you know, we can't have, we can't just free frenum and do phrenectomy and, and even just, you know, keep track of output and how the mom's holding the baby without looking at the whole picture. And I really feel that um, OT is such a vital part of my team. So tell me about how your team works and what, what you're doing um, with Tongue Tie for the babies that come to you. Uh, yeah, so specifically for me as an OT, I'm looking from an oral function standpoint. Um, and I think that this is important because even if, you know, even once I go, I would like to become an IBCLC, you know, in the future. Even once I do that, it's really more for the information and less because I want to be doing lactation because I can either focus on the therapy and the baby and working on their whole body, working out those tensions, helping with that function in their whole body and within their mouth, or I can focus on lactation. But if I tried to do both, we're going to lose some quality there. Oh, I love that. I love that you're <laughs> saying that because 
you know, and not to insult anybody who's listening, but I do feel that we should stay in our lanes, learn everything, but stay in our lanes and continuing to net, continue to network, especially in areas when there are other providers available. You know, because I, I speak to people from all over the world, we're very fortunate. You're in Massachusetts. I'm in New York. We are very fortunate and have the privilege of having great networks around us. But there are people, even in rural parts of the United States and in, you know, third world countries where they're it. You know, I've met a midwife online who's a midwife. She's the only person that knows about lactation. She's the pediatrician for this family, you know, what we would call a pediatrician. Mm -hmm. she's, she's it for this town, you know, and as far as mother-baby care. But it's different here, you know, and I want to learn just like you do. And, and that's one of the things that um, lights me up about meeting you is you have that same spark. Like I've taken myofunctional therapy courses, but I'm not going to do myofunctional therapy or or hang out that shingle. Um, I go to all the dental courses, but I'm not going to do phrenotomy. I know how. I've practiced on, you know, models yeah. and stuff like that. But I, that's not what I'm going to do, even though I could in my scope as a midwife. Um, I want to concentrate on the lactation piece, but be aware of all the other parts that are there. And if you're a parent listening and saying, well, what does this have to do with me? You know, you should should be aware. I feel that there's it, you know, an awareness of the fact that if you're going to a dentist who's an IBCLC, she may not or he may not have the same IBCLC experience as someone who is an IBCLC in practice because they came up through a different way and don't have another license with that, if that makes sense. And I, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but do you, do you understand what I'm saying, Erica? I totally understand what you're saying. Um, and I think, you know, like I said, do, trying to do too much comes at a disadvantage for the parents mm -hmm. because, you know, we, we can take, we can only take so many people, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have your caseload and if you're spending an hour with someone or 90 minutes with someone and you're trying to do oral motor therapy you're trying to do the body work piece. You're trying to get this baby to move through their tension and figure out what's going on sensory processing wise. And also trying to help the mom problem solve everything that is going on lactation wise. Something is not going to be the best quality, mm -hmm. right? Something's got to give. Mm -hmm. And so you know, even when people have all of these certifications, it's who do they bring on for their team? Mm -hmm. Who else are they referring to? Mm -hmm. And I always refer out for lactation and I always will, no matter how far I go in learning about lactation. Mm -hmm. uh, I just know that I can either focus on therapy, the therapy movement, releasing tension, balancing tension and movement, um, or I can focus on helping problem solve all of these issues with lactation. Mm -hmm. And I think that knowing as much as I know about lactation helps me give, you know, better recommendations overall, but mm -hmm. also helps me give good recommendations for who to refer out to. That's, that, that's wonderful. If you're listening to this in October of 2022, 
There is currently a sale of the Professional's Guide to Tongue Tie in the Breastfeeding Infant. You can check it out at tongue-tie-experts.net slash professional course. And of course, the link will be in the show notes that you could click straight through. But take advantage of the sale if you can. My students tell me how much they've learned from a lactation point of view. And lactation consultants can get four LSERPs, even at the sale price. You do this all at your own pace. You have a year to complete the modules. You get to be a part of a fantastic and growing multidisciplinary Facebook group that's only for course students. And again, it's tongue-tie-experts.net slash professional course. Looking forward to seeing you inside the course. Let's get a little bit more specific about how you work. And um, I know in my practice, if there is time, and, and I like to say most most phrenectomies, phrenotomies are not an emergency. So if there is time, I refer to an OT or a PT, depending on the situation, prior to considering the surgery. Do you see a lot of babies before surgery? Um, so I'm starting to see more before. Okay. Um, a lot of times when they finally, you know, in the, especially in the past, when they're seeking out OT, it's because they didn't see the changes that they wanted to see, or, you know, they're kind of, I I don't want to say grasping at straws, but they're really trying to problem solve and figure out because they've already done this Mm -hmm. and they want to know why it didn't work. And that's actually why I got into this. But now I'm starting to see more people come to me before. um, And it's really, really helpful Mm -hmm. to, to see baby before. Yeah. So I, I think it's, I, I almost think that if, if things are going okay and you have time, do you know taking the time to do the before therapies? Again, it's a privileged situation if you can do that, but it does make a difference because I mean, even when it comes to lactation, there are a couple of people in my area who are doing releases now, and they're not referring to me, or the parent doesn't see the need for me beforehand. They they think, well, breastfeeding is not going well. I think I'll just, somebody said a baby has a tongue tie. It looks like it. Somebody on social gave me a post and a recommendation. And now I got the baby's tongue tie clipped and things aren't better yet. And then they come to me and like now I'm working backwards. You know, maybe there was a, maybe there was a tongue tie. Maybe it looked like a visible frenum. But maybe it wasn't the visible frenum that was causing the problem. Maybe it was a lactation problem. Maybe it was a problem that an OT could have helped with prior to the release, or maybe instead of the release, even. Right? Do you agree right. with that? And, yeah, totally. And so, you know, sometimes when you have that restricted frenum and you have a tongue that can only move so far, right? And then you just release that frenum it doesn't know that it has more movement Mm -hmm. until you teach the tongue how to move. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the oral motor therapy piece, you know, working on that oral function becomes so important because you want to maximize how much movement the tongue has, how much movement, you know, what's going on in the mouth. Um, Are there, you know, restrictions like 
going on, not just with the tongue, but the rest of the mouth, usually, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And that doesn't just end when you leave the mouth, you know, the body ends up compensating. And so we, I also see this focus on releasing tension, releasing tension, releasing tension, Mm -hmm. right? Everyone's saying, oh, you got to work on that tension before the phrenectomy, before the phrenotomy. And then (laughs) you end up releasing tension, but that, that means one side is weak. You know, that tension was there for a reason. So you need to balance that tension and that movement Mm -hmm. because right now you and I, and everyone listening to this, we all have tension in places Mm -hmm. and not all tension is bad tension. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, so our muscles are always balancing that tension and that, and that mobility, they're always balancing tension and movement. Mm -hmm. And we want to do that with babies before we do anything that is anything physical to get rid of tension, right? right? You're explaining that beautifully. And I think, you know, I'm guilty of saying that to parents because it's something they can understand. You know, look at the tension in your baby. (laughs) Let's get rid of the tension before we do this. And I think that's almost like a lay term of tension, which is a little bit like your, your definition is a little bit more sophisticated than what I'm meaning when I say tension. And that, that's an important point to clarify. Thank you for explaining it that way. Yeah. And, you know, seeing those visible signs of tension, we do want to get rid right. of those visible signs of tension and, you know, that, that intense restriction. We don't want the tension to be holding baby back. So we do want to get rid of that tension, but it's a balancing tension. Mm-hmm. So when all we do is, uh, when we're only doing passive modalities to to release that tension, there's no balance then. And Mm -hmm. so you're looking at, you're just getting rid of tension, but you're not increasing muscle strength. Mm -hmm. So if you have a side that's tense and a side that's weak, you still have a side that's weak. Right. So I want to work on making sure we, we get ahead of those weaknesses Mm -hmm. in that whole body. Yeah. And also in the mouth. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. And, um, in a practical point of view, in general, and, and I know every every diet, every baby is different, but in general, about how many visits do you usually see a baby for? Ideally, like in your ideal world, you would see the baby so prior. Usually um, about four to six visits. Okay. And we're looking at, you know, we're talking like two visits in a week Mm -hmm. a lot of times so we're not talking about waiting six weeks if you're doing six sessions Mm -hmm. uh, before you go in and have that procedure done Mm -hmm. we're talking you know just a couple weeks and getting in as much therapy um giving parents tools to carry over at home Mm -hmm. to support in between sessions um so usually about four to six before um they have their procedure and then usually ideally um at least another four to six Mm -hmm. after like I said, every baby is different. Um, I've seen situations where a baby literally just needed like one or two sessions mm-hmm. and then, you know, they go in and then they just need a little bit after. But um, mo- most often I would say usually in that like four to six range. Right. And I'm sure after. you're like me in that if you see something else that's not exactly in your scope, you'll be referring to other types of um body workers. And I I use the term body workers with some care now because I was at a conference where people were saying they don't like that term, but I don't know what other term to use to encompass, you know, physical therapists, 
occupational therapists, chiropractors, speech language pathologists, which I also put there because of the oral motor uh, right. feeding therapy, um, osteopaths, um, you would recognize your limitation of, you know what, this is something that you need maybe a CST provider to do for this baby or something like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, um, you know, a lot of the techniques, like I've said, that we use do support body work, um, mm-hmm. you know, even without any additional body work trainings, mm-hmm. I'm going actually for, to become, to, um, do a cranial sacral training. Oh, I'm jealous. Um, I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm with me. I'm going out to, um, to Portland, Oregon, nice. um, to do that in 2023. Excellent. Um, but, but yeah, exactly what you yeah. said. I mean, I refer to chiropractors and again, tethered oral tissue savvy chi- right, chiropractors. Right, right. Um, I don't refer or recommend just anyone. Um, I have speech therapists who I refer to and um, other people who are cranial sacral therapists. You know, if there's just something that I think fits well with the family, mm-hmm. fits well with the dyad fits well with everything that's going on, I'm going to recommend it. And I'm going to at least give them the option and the pros and cons of, you know, pursuing these things, Mm -hmm. because like you said, every family is different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm always looking out for, for my family's, you know, financially is a piece and, you know, weighing the pros and cons of that and, you know, driving all of these things and what's going to stress them out more versus less. And, I'm finding that a lot of parents just want to know what's out there. Yes. And so I want to present them with everything and what our roles are so that we can all work together Mm -hmm. and not feel like we need to try to take on everything so that we can be the only person there with this family. Yeah. So, so we have such similar philosophies. Um, I have a resource list that I give every family and it's growing, which is beautiful because the awareness (laughs) is growing and the number of providers who understand this team approach for treatment of tongue tie, especially in infants, gratefully is growing in my area, which, you know, just makes me feel so good because my resource list 10 years ago would have just been me and the dentist, you know, um, there was no one else. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it's, you know, then I added a Cairo and then I met the OT. And so let's go, let's go back a little bit because I was telling you about the, the, occupational therapist that I refer to in my area. And she has a similar story that she came to this work because of her own children. And you told me that before we came on. So let's talk briefly about what it's been like and what, you know, how having your own children has changed your focus in your work. Yeah. So my background is in sensory integration, sensory processing, um, And it was always a passion of mine. And even in that world, I would see certain things pop up that happened when babies were younger and and feeding issues was one of those things. So my son was born and I was working in schools, working in sensory integration, had uh, had him and feeding issues popped up. Mm -hmm. And I I wasn't very surprised. And I also kind of... I only knew so much. I had only gotten so far into the oral motor piece of, you know, of occupational therapy. 
And I hadn't worked with babies at this point. I'm seeing all of these kids when they're much older. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that based on what I was seeing, that there was a place for OT Mm -hmm. in this. Um, I I knew exactly what I was looking for in a therapist and I could not find that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was, you know, after doing lactation and chiropractic care, I listened to the advice that everyone said, which was body work before. Mm-hmm. Then you go to a pediatric dentist, they'll use a laser, had the phrenectomy, then body work after. And I saw very limited changes mm-hmm. in oral function with my son. And so I started to really investigate, well, why was that? Mm-hmm. Why did this work for so many other kids, but not mine? Mm-hmm. And so I got really deep into figuring out the whole body piece that comes along with that we're seeing with tongue ties. And I got really focused on what my role could be with that and how I could support families because no one even mentioned oral motor therapy or seeing OTs or speech or, you know, any of these people, no one mentioned Mm -hmm. these to me. And so I, have based, I've really just been trying to be the therapist that I needed when my, when my son was born, when I was crying because Mm -hmm. the breastfeeding pain was so bad when my son would not stop eating, but wasn't getting anything and was still hungry. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I, I, I just have wanted to support moms like me who were willing to do more, wanted to know more about what was going on. Uh, but had limited resources because no one knew, no one had anything for me. So I'd like to pause you for a moment and just, you know, acknowledge your journey up to that point. You know, I mean, it's, it's hard enough to be a new mom and having struggles with your own child, but to have the energy and the fortitude to get through that as well as learning yourself and educating yourself about what you would have wanted to have as a provider. You know, my heart goes out to you and I just want to honor your experience for a moment because we don't, in our world, we don't honor the experience of women and mothers enough. So thank you. Well, Thank, thank you. Um, and one thing that I, that I've kept saying is I have all of this clinical experience. So I felt very, I felt pretty in control mm-hmm. and I felt like I had a pretty good understanding. Right. I didn't know how to get very targeted yet with what I needed, but I knew that there was someone out there who could help me. Right. And I knew there was something I was looking for that I wasn't getting, right. but other parents don't have that clinical experience right. and you shouldn't be an occupational therapist to be a mom. Right. But I got so much bad advice right. um, from he's, he's gaining well, so okay. we don't want to mess with that. Yeah. He's sleeping well. Yeah. Why would you want to mess with that? To someone actually telling me that it was normal for my four month old to stop gaining weight. Oh no. <laughs> because he was crawling, oh, which goodness. to get down to that, he was crawling because he couldn't stay still because of everything going wow. on in his mouth and his airway. Right. So, you know, it wasn't this great milestone. It was that it wasn't that he was ready to move. It was that his body could not stay still. Oh, wow. And it was constantly seeking for a comfortable way to breathe. Right, right. And um, so th- these were the things that I heard right. and I knew that they were wrong, but who, if you're not a medical professional, 
mm-hmm. you're you're gonna believe the people Absolutely. that are telling you Absolutely. this. So the myths are real. Want- the myths, and <laughs> yeah. you know what? I mean, I hate to talk against social media because it's it's how I find most of my people now. Um, but there are some things on social media that just make me want to shake my head and go, really? You're really telling that to other mothers? Like, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, I digress. Yeah. <laughs> so then, uh, no, so then um, you have two children, right? I do. So yeah. in between the first and the second is when you change things around a little bit for, in your practice? Or was it after that even? Yeah. So I was working in a school, even after my son was born, I was still doing a lot of different, um, continuing education on sensory processing mm-hmm. and sensory integration, which comes into play with our tongue type. Of course. Um, but so I had this great foundation and I started, you know, researching on my own things about tongue ties, the functional impacts. Cause we talk about that all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. But then everyone's only recommending body work and IBCLC. And I'm saying, but where is the function piece? Um, And so that I actually came across Michelle Emanuel's work, Mm -hmm. her tummy time method and, um, you know, everything she's doing with tongue tied babies. And I said, that is the therapist that I needed when my son was Mm -hmm. born. And that is who I'm going to learn from. And so I've set out to take um, as much knowledge from her as I can. Mm -hmm. Turns out we sensory processing while she has a background in sensory integration mm-hmm. as well. And um, we have some of the same mentors oh, who wow. have taught us all the same things on that side. So, you know, she mentioned her mentors and I'm like, Oh, I love them. <laughs> Michelle, if you're <laughs> listening, I want you on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <Yeah>, so um, <laughs> I did all of this uh, as much self-education and then taking all of these courses Um, and I got to a point where I realized I was sending my son to school for these, these really long days and working a job for someone else that I wasn't passionate about. And I said, you know what? It's time. Mm -hmm. I have to take, I'm going to take these couple of courses. So I feel like I can really do this and I'm going to open my own practice. So I did that. Yeah. So, um, I opened my practice this year, actually in January. Um, Thank you. And then I had my daughter Mm -hmm. and she's gotten the pre phrenectomy care uh-huh. and the post phrenectomy care that was missing. Uh-huh. Um, and I've learned a lot through her too, in our journey there. And um, it's very different when you have your own child and you're doing this oh, with yeah. your own child. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's made me realize some, even some of my own weak points with how I was presenting things to parents and how to, how to get them in involved mm-hmm. and maximize that function, you know, outside mm-hmm. of our sessions. Cause I need parents to buy into it and to, you know, do these things at home or else, you know, if, if I work on a compensation in a session and then they go back home and they're just going back into that pattern, back into that pattern, back into that pattern, it's going to take a lot longer than if I can get parents to carry things over. Yeah, And you um, know what? You're the third person this week that I've had this conversation about, about how realistically parents can do the therapies that they need to do at home. And one of them was my very own daughter. Your practice was born in January. My podcast was born in January. And my grandson was born in January. So January of 2022 was a a great, great, I mean, no. I'm going back next, last year was my my stuff 2021 
Um, I'm I'm sorry. I'm totally disoriented. <laughs> it was 2022. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. This is October, right? <laughs> well, 2022. Yeah. <laughs> I am really disoriented. Um, so what I've no- known and learned from the experience of my own grandson is that we can show parents and show parents and show parents and explain and they can get it on many levels, but actually fitting it into their daily routine is hard. It's really it hard. Is. You know, it so is. I feel like that- the less we ask of them, the more is going to get done. Exactly. And you know, that fitting into the routine, that is absolutely where OT comes mm-hmm. in. This is something that we do as a profession that we learn in school is how important it is to fit everything into the parents, the family's routine, mm-hmm. how important it is to make it meaningful for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, occupations are things that you do within your daily life. So meaningful occupations. So um, we have to help them with that. And we, I think that this is why it's important to see someone who is trained and who is what I would call a skilled therapist Mm -hmm. doing individualized work is because I can throw everything at you. I mean, I can make a PDF that has, you know, whatever number of exercises. And I see this all the time at offices, um, which I think is better than nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, if this family was going to get nothing, I think it's better to, to, to have more than not, but it's overwhelming to try to figure out 20 different exercises and try to figure out, you know, is this even helpful? Am I even doing this right? Right. Versus if you have a skilled therapist, they're going to hand you the ones that your child needs because not every child needs every exercise and not every exercise needs to be prioritized. So it's, it's helping get that targeted therapy, those targeted exercises to support your unique child. Mm -hmm. You can learn a lot of the things that I do just by, you know, going on Instagram and searching tongue tied babies and finding, you know, all of those different accounts that have exercises showing there, Mm -hmm. but you don't know why, and you don't know what works for your child and your family. And you don't know how to problem solve if you're not getting that. And you don't even know when success happens. Right. Exactly. That's a big piece. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great point. So we've covered topics that were, you know, what I planned to cover with you today as far as the team approach um, and the importance of integrating our own experiences and getting inspired by our own experiences helping our own children and our own selves and turning that into a career, which is amazing, especially when that career is going to impact the lives and the journeys of so many other families. So kudos to you for that. But Erica, is there anything that you would want the world or our listeners, I wish it was the world (laughs) listening, but there's a lot of people that listen to us. Is there anything else that you would like to talk about, about what you do that we haven't hit on? Is there any important thing about OT and tongue tie that maybe, you know, you say, well, Lisa didn't ask me about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I guess I want to talk a little bit about um, 
the sensory processing piece sure. and even tie in the tummy time yes. method and how important that is. Perfect. Um, so, you know, and even in, in your course, you talk about how, you know, the tongue tie develops in utero. Mm -hmm. This isn't something that they're born and then it happens to them. Mm -hmm. um, and anyone who's feeling any kind of guilt about that, because I do remember feeling that with my son, um, it is not mm -hmm. your fault. <laughs> you cannot control mm -hmm. it. Um, you know, there's no way of preventing it right now. And so we're looking at helping after baby is born. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, in utero, this develops and we have movement in utero that is that needs the mouth to be working the way it's designed to in order for that movement to happen. Mm -hmm. So we have certain reflexes that help baby move in there that happen through the mouth. And as I said before, movement is so important for development. And so if baby is not getting all of that movement in utero when they're born, we need to make sure that we're kind of compensating for that and we're getting them the movements that they need. We're getting them well-rounded movements. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't just mean putting baby on their belly. Yes, that helps express some reflexes. Yes, that helps. And it is, again, better than nothing. But we need to get well-rounded movement. And the tummy time method very naturally integrates that movement into your day. It simplifies tummy time because everyone tells you how important tummy time is, but they don't tell you how to do mm -hmm. it. And they don't, they don't even really explain why it's that important or it's not meaningful to you. Mm -hmm. And so the tummy time method brings that meaning into it. It gets you well-rounded movement that is going to help support all of those things that they missed out on in utero. Um, and so it really helps support the sensory processing while also giving you peace of mind that you are doing this, you know, quote unquote, correctly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're doing this the way that you're supposed to. You're doing this to support development and you're doing this in a way that baby likes it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's huge because a lot of people, you know, I even have people, they're like, yeah, I'm doing tummy time, but I just... I just put them down and then I put my headphones on because they're crying. Aww, I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't want tummy time at that expense. Right, right. Um, so I really want to help give them the best foundation for movement that I can mm -hmm. and give them the best foundation for sensory processing, for calming that nervous system and for supporting connection. And the tummy time method brings all of those things in together in a very concrete way mm -hmm. that, um, I think is really helpful for the parents, the therapist, and the baby. I think that the um, term nervous system is one that's more familiar to most lay people than sensory processing, right? But what we're talking about right. specifically is literally calming that nervous system in different positions, right? If I'm understanding. Yeah. It and sensory processing, it's a little bit more than that. You know, when we talk about sensory processing, it is taking in all of the information from all of your senses mm -hmm. that are, that's coming in at all times. Right. Like right now, you and I might be tuning out background noises that are happening, mm -hmm. um, you know, in our offices, in our homes, on the street. Um, so I'm, I'm tuning out the cars going by. Right. But that's happening naturally. Right. Um, I know where my body ends and this this seat that I'm sitting on begins. Um, those are all things. Sensory processing happens very naturally. Um, you shouldn't have to think about it. Right. And that's not always the case for our kids and for our babies. Right. And so when you have a body that is taking in sensory information, it is filtering out anything irrelevant and it is 
you know, we call it organizing, but it is figuring out exactly what it just felt and how to respond. Mm -hmm. Um, That is sensory processing and that is a natural thing that happens. Can I ask you a question? Do you feel that the kids that you worked with that were older children and maybe that you still work with that are older children, do you feel that their sensory issues could have possibly been corrected early or prevented? I think it's tough to say, to say that because mm-hmm. dynamic, you know, development is so dynamic. Right. It's so complex. Um, so I hate to say that like, yes, you could have prevented right. I mean, it. I don't mean not I to guilt say you, could give them- you know, I right. don't want to guilt right. anybody, right. but I'm just thinking that like, are we helping think- babies in, in the first couple of weeks or months to be more integrated when they're older? Exactly. Yeah. Um, we're helping support that foundation, okay. that foundational sensory processing. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that there aren't other factors and there aren't right. things that are going to come in, but it's at least the best foundation mm-hmm. to support the optimal sensory and that, processing. That's, that's all we can do is give the exactly. optimal foundation in, in any of the fields that we're talking about, right? Like for lactation, it's feeding, you know, give the optimal and optimal isn't the same for everybody. Right. And it involves choice and circumstance and things like that. But we do the best we can with the resources that we have in the situation that we're in for each and every individual dyad or baby, depending on who you're working with. Right. So exactly. I think that that's a beautiful, um, stopping point because you know we've come around to the individualized care yet a team approach and um just the word integration i i think you know that's a new word for me really um and thank you for exploring that deeper with me today and with our audience today um i think that was great so thank you um erica so much and If anyone in our audience would like to take a deeper dive with you, maybe they're in your area and would like to come to you as a provider, um, we're going to put your website in the show notes. But what is your website just for those who are driving and aren't looking at the show notes or or as I do, you know, washing the dishes or (laughs) folding laundry or, you know, rolling meatballs, whatever, you know, while listening to podcasts, what, what's your website? So my website is otbymommy.com and my Instagram is also otbymommy. So you can send me a DM there too. Excellent. Um, Excellent. And my email address is on the website. Okay. And again, I'm so grateful for you to take the time to spend with us today. And I really um, am very grateful that you were here today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. Check out the show notes for useful links about the topics we discussed and for ways to follow us on social media. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. And if you enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd rate, review, and share with your friends and colleagues. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.